Welcome to HBW's Over the Counter podcast. I'm David Ridley and I'll be chatting with industry experts and insiders about the latest trends, issues and intelligence in consumer healthcare. The Association of the European Self-Care Industry celebrates its 60th birthday this year. In this episode, we catch up with AESGP Director General Jurata Schwarzeiter to find out how the association will mark the occasion, including at this year's annual meeting in Brussels in June. ASGP annual meetings are an excellent way to find out what the key issues and trends are impacting the European consumer health industry, and this one will be no different. We talk through some of the key themes of this year's conference. Sustainability continues to be a megatrend, closely followed by digitalisation and artificial intelligence. With its wide-ranging footprint across OTC medicines, food supplements and self-care medical devices sectors, the consumer health industry is facing an avalanche of regulations and the ASGP continues to be an effective advocate for its stakeholders, alongside adjacent industry partners. Make sure you listen to the end because Urata drops a little teaser as to something ASGP might launch at the conference in June. Hi, David. Hello, Urata. How are you? Busy, busy. <laughs> but uh, I guess from also following uh, what we do and just seeing you, our newsletter, I'm sure you you know. It's just that uh, it feels like we are under a tsunami of uh, legislative regulatory files and it's just not stopping. Mm. And um, I think I never remember January like busy like this. So, yeah, I mean, this is a big year for the ASGP. <laughs> it is. It is a big uh, one. So the 60th annual meeting. And I assume that means it's the 60th birthday of AHGP as well? That's correct. That's correct. So if I take you back to the actually 1963, uh, when the whole uh, association history started, um, there were three companies at the times. Uh, none of them exist today. So it was Miles, Nicholas and Vic uh, that came together. And under leadership of uh, Ben McClure uh, from Vic International, discussed a need for collective action on behalf of the industry, because already at that time, the risks and opportunities for the industry were um, appearing and it was clear that companies cannot tackle them alone and that uh, working together and collaborating under a roof of association was uh, starting to make sense. And then one year later, 1964, um, AHGP was found uh, in Paris um, and at the that time they were known as proprietary uh, medicines industry. So this was the sort of the, the concept that later was uh, replaced by consumer health industry. Um, and then they were found uh, in Paris because Brussels was still sort of emerging as the European capital. Um, so actually the choice was either Paris or Geneva because a lot of um, bodies like WHO were based in Geneva. They chose Paris and then later on they actually relocated to, to Brussels, which has become a capital of Europe. And um, indeed, so that's how that's how ASGP came to to the to the living. Um, ASGP also, I mean, we have a, a funny French name which I cannot pronounce uh, and cannot remember. Uh, we have had for years many suggestions of changing the name, actually uh, becoming something else. But we actually 
standby AHDP name because it has uh, withstood the test of time. Um, also, it's very good in the meetings because normally you have a kind of a roll call uh, by alphabet, so we always stand at the beginning. So I think we have more pros and cons to be called something else. So we are very proud to be AHDP for 60 years. And it's a, it's a nice occasion to, to celebrate the industry. Yeah, like you say, it's difficult when everyone knows the name, even if the name is, you know, it's a bit like PAGB mentioned about proprietary medicines. Yes. You know, this is this, if the full name still has that in there, uh, but everyone knows PAGB. So exactly, exactly. So you mentioned um, that you're celebrating. So this is the 60th uh, anniversary annual meeting coming up. Uh, what? How are you celebrating the occasion? So actually, we will be celebrating throughout the year. Uh, so stay tuned. We will uh, be communicating as early as already this month uh, about the fact that uh, it's about 60 years of self-care, not only 60 years of AHDP. Um, but talking about annual meeting, uh, we will be hosting a self-care gala in a very... Um, a very nice location. It's a kind of Brussels uh, Brussels uh, landmark. It's an old stock exchange building, which now hosts a beer world. So very Belgian indeed. And we plan to have um, our Brussels stakeholders. And that's why actually we decided to do our um, anniversary in Brussels, where it's our home base. So we hope that we will be inviting a lot of friends and, and colleagues and stakeholders that we work on daily basis with. Uh, to celebrate self-care. So we plan to look back at the milestones of the of the association as well as an industry. Uh, we will be looking at bringing back some of the uh, leadership of the association, which uh, does other things these days. Uh, so I hope to see uh, those uh, staff members, but as well as the presidents that have been engaged in the association before. And we will also give an opportunity for everyone to share a little bit sort of the memories and also uh, give the best wishes to the to the industry and the sector, hopefully for another 60 great uh, years of um, achievements and more opportunities than threats for going forward. That sounds really great. Um, as always, looking forward to the annual meeting, maybe more so this year, given that it's uh, it's in a brewery. <laughs> um, <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, so, so that would be great. And then, as you mentioned, it's more you know it's this kind of self-care industry now isn't it so things have changed quite a lot and we talked about the term proprietary medicines before so things have changed quite a lot um how what do you think is the difference today if you were looking at the consumer health industry in europe and the kind of key trends which are always reflected in the ahgp annual meeting program which we'll talk about um how would you say it's different today so I think, first of all, it's different because we are not anymore representing uh, one category of products. So at the time, it was proprietary medicines, and we no longer stand only for the medicine. So I think that's already a big change because that's why we are self-care, because self-care, the whole concept has evolved. And it's sort of when I am asked what self-care is for me, it's everything that uh, each of us does to stay healthy and or to, 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 to improve our health if we get uh, sick at some point. And then now we, we also represent manufacturers of medical devices, uh, self-care medical devices, uh, to be more specific, food supplements, because we also recognize that other uh, things like nutrition, for example, and it matters to actually to, to staying health. 
healthy. So this is one of the major change. And if we look back at the history of ASGP, I think it was 1992, if I'm not mistaken, um, that the Food Supplement Committee was created following the, um, the legislation which was coming forward, establishing the food supplement category. And then in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, we have added another committee of medical devices also to recognize the fact that uh, we started seeing more and more uh, innovation and new launches of products having a, a sort of falling into medical devices category. In addition to that, I think if we looked to the program of annual meetings uh, 10 years or maybe even five years ago, there was not so much focus on environment. Uh, as you have seen from a couple of last uh, meetings of ASGP, environment is really a key topic and a transversal topic, which is to say that at the European Union during last five years, so under the von der Leyen's commission, we have been under the, as they call it, twin transition. So it's a green and digital transition. And what is interesting is that sometimes these two, two objectives or two transitions are not or, or rather clashing because obviously digital doesn't mean it's very green. So we have seen a lot of transversal, transversal legislation that is impacting us, but is also impacting all the other industries. So to be honest, I think the, the, the discussion topics have become much broader and you need to really focus and try to understand what is in there for our industry, what are the key sticking points. So I think there's a lot more sort of topics where we explore things because we are not quite sure what impact will be at the first instance. So I think we are offering much more sort of uh, forward looking and, and, and topics that are requiring um, a, a thought and it's a food for thought sessions rather than really looking at the things that uh, we know for sure has a 100% impact. And digital topics, I think, for last 10 years as well, you cannot have a, a, a meeting. And these, this year we will have a session on AI. Obviously, you cannot have a meeting today without a topic like, like AI. So I think, uh, well, I don't think we are, our industry is the most cutting edge and the most, let's say, uh, innovative, but we definitely see um, evolution and we definitely see trends and topics that are emerging and some of them are staying and some of them are temporary. Yeah, I mean, that's just mentioned it before. The one of the things that I find really great about the ASGP annual meetings is how the agenda really does reflect what is going on in the industry. And it is forward looking, like it's a good snapshot of what's happening, but also what, you know, as journalists, we need to look out for. So it's a really good relationship in that way. So Thank you've you. mentioned... <laughs> Of course. So you've mentioned sustainability and digital, uh, digitalization, digital health. What else is on the agenda this year and how does this reflect the kind of trends that you're seeing? So I think one of the things, so obviously environment will be, will be still there, but I think last couple of years we, we looked on into environment as more a challenge especially because we are a chemical industry. So, uh, for example, the impact of our products, be it the packaging or be it uh, an excipient or being it an active ingredient of the product, has an environmental impact. And not necessarily we understand it fully today. So I think these are some of the challenges that we were exploring before. Um, also looking in, for example, residues of our products in the water, like we did last year, for example, so this year we will talk about environment, but we want to offer a different angle. So we want to look into climate change and um, we know it's a bad thing. 
However, as an industry, I think it's very important to understand how can we address the challenges that are going to be arising from climate change. And just to be practical, um, we already know from the data that, for example, the sales of the insect repellents in the uh, metropolis area are rising, which might actually show that because of the warming climate, we have much more insects around us. And we not only going into the forest or, or more <laughs> nature resort, but you already start having problem in the cities. Uh, on the other hand, also the sunscreens. I think we have sort of um, longer exposure times, especially in the south of Europe, to the sun. Uh, so we see those markers, for example, allergy season. Before it was very seasonal, while now you can see that from the sales that allergy is becoming a sort of year-long category. So we want to look into those trends and see how um, how that will impact the portfolio of the products because as you know, still our companies are still very much focused on cough and cold, but we want to see other categories that are going to be emerging and how we are going to, um, let's say, how that will shape and and, um, and change the industry. I think this is one of those sessions where we really offer a food for thought and uh, we hope it's going to be also a very nice uh, debate around it. And another session maybe that I want to, to, to highlight is the one on transformation on regulatory systems. So we, since we sit across the categories, which is very unusual for European association, because normally you have an association which is focusing on pharma, association which focuses on food, association which focuses on medtech, we actually sit across three categories. So we see a lot of trends that are emerging in one field and then they sort of uh, get carried away and got uh, and affect another category. It's the same with the regulators. So when we talk with the medicines regulator, for example, uh, or the medtech regulator, uh, these days they are closer than maybe other categories, but for example, food regulator or chemical regulator, they actually don't talk to each other as much as we would have hoped or envisaged. So it's really going to be also a session looking into how they work together and as an industry, especially industry which sits across categories, how we can help them to, to learn from uh, good things or failures of legislation and make sure that they are not uh, repeated. And also that legislation, like some of the um, things that we see from food spilling over on the pharma, that we can make sure that we can continue to, to, to have access to specific products um, and, and people still have self-care products available to them. So I think these two sessions for me are the ones that come to my mind immediately thinking about uh, what's new in the in the 60th program. And of course, we'll post a link to the um, to the ASGP annual meeting website where you can find the program and sign up and we'll reiterate yes. this at, at the end. But you can already see the program, can't you, online? Yes, yes the program is already out. Uh, we have put it together. We have normally a program committee. So we start working in the program committee immediately after the annual meeting. So the moment we finished with Paris uh, in May 50, uh, with our, on our 59th uh, meeting, which is also very symbolic, it was actually Paris where we were found. Um, so we started working on the 60 program immediately. So um, the program is already ready. Uh, we are working on the um, parallel technical workshops, uh, trying to specify them because we know and we got the questions, a lot of questions last year uh, when we published it without descriptions asking what is going to be discussed, what's the purpose. So we are working on that. But 
basically the outline of the program is out there. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Counter so far. Don't forget to follow Pharma Intelligence Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and TuneIn. Also check out HPW Insight at hpw.sightline.com for all the latest health, beauty and wellness news and intelligence. Keep listening, this episode continues now. It's interesting what you said about the positive side of sustainability, because like you say, a lot of it can be uh, perceived as a threat in terms of yeah, pollutants, um, having to move away from plastics, having to do X, Y and Z. But you also hear companies talking about consumer healthcare companies, that is, talking about the link between um, you know planet and people health, like the health of the, the planet and human health. That's a really interesting idea, isn't it? What do you think about this, the idea that these two are intrinsically linked and there's a a kind of special role for the consumer healthcare industry, if you like? I mean, you said it very right. There is a special role for us. And I think there is no health without environment. It's clear. If if you have an environment which uh, which is sick, which has been polluted, it's difficult to imagine uh, humans uh, having the full potential and, and being being healthy. So for me, and I think for anyone working in the industry, it's quite clear that the link is obvious. And uh, there is a lot that we can do as an industry to make sure that we actually not only see this link, but that we also act on it. Um, now, what comes to what do we practically do? I think already for years, companies under their sort of social um responsibility, they all are looking and revising their supply chains, making sure that they they, they source better, uh, that they 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 are as um, climate efficient as possible, that they also uh, choose reliable suppliers and, and those suppliers that are also environmentally conscious and all of that. So I think a lot is already done and it depends on individual companies, but I don't think there's a company today which can afford not to have environmental uh, mission or, or let's say, um, ambition uh, as part of their business strategy. I think the risk, and I already mentioned it a little bit, we are a chemical industry. And I never shy away from that because also by background, I'm a pharmacist and I studied a lot of forms of chemistry in my studies. And so I, I think here we have to recognize that there is as much as we can do. If we want to provide humans with the safe and effective uh, treatment options, we will continue to use certain chemicals. So it's making sure that we draw that line somewhere. <laughs> and I mean, being a healthcare professional, I feel the line is closer to human benefit than sometimes to environment where we need to provide effective solutions to people so that they can continue to have you know, a healthy life and they can actually have a good quality of life. So I think here, this is where sometimes, um, while the mission is clear, while sometimes we have to admit that we will not be able to be, because this ambition, Europe has an ambition of a toxic-free environment. Toxic-free environment, as long as there's one human on this planet Earth, is not possible. It's just, 
it's 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 unicorns and and you know big dreams but i think it's it's this is where we have to recognize that we also as an industry we need to stand for who we are and we cannot say that we will be 100% uh you know green or uh, toxic free or whatever so i think we need to find ways how we can remove pollutants from the environment how we can capture some of the things better how we can uh, recycle um but not necessarily go to where we will be restricting access to ingredients or restricting access to those chemicals that are essential to make sure that products are effective and uh, and safe. I suppose it's a bit like medicines in general, isn't it, with the risk and the benefit? You make a calculation exactly. on, they've all got side effects. You know, it's just one of those things, isn't it? That, that's, a, that's a funny thing that you bring it. I mean, we have also this discussion internally in the team very often where those of us that are trained as um, sort of pharmacists or or those trained in healthcare, we always say there's always a risk, but then you outweigh it by benefit. But if you look in the environmental legislation, it's all about the risk. It's all about the hazard. So no one wants to talk about the benefit. So this is where we really feel that there's a big clash between the between the let's say the health and environment in the science. So in the way we see science, because there are many ways of actually you can, the science is funny in itself, in itself because science is there to actually constantly challenge and constantly uh, evolve. And you can never be 100% sure because uh, tomorrow another scientist might find another uh, way to do something or may actually say that what you believed for uh, all your life is not true. So I think this is where it's we see that some friction is uh, is there. And uh, we don't have a we don't have a magic uh, solution for how to address it. We just have to continue having that conversation with the health community and with the environment community and try to find the middle ground. And you and again, we've mentioned regulation again. I mean, this is it's a it's an absolute um, avalanche of regulation, really. I would say maybe being a little um, dramatic, but I don't know if you'd agree um, from the Green Deal, which well, I've just been putting together this um, this article, which cover, tries to cover, you know, most if not all of the ones that are implicating consumer health companies, and it's a very long list. And that's just one element. There's the uh, medical devices regulation, AI, the you know the pharma review. I mean, it just goes on and on, doesn't it? How how difficult does this make it for companies, but also for ASGP? You're right in the middle of this, really, as an association, aren't you? Yes, we are in the middle of it, but we are not alone. So that's that's one of the important things. And we are relatively a mid-sized association. We cannot do it all. So I think, at least from an NGP perspective, we continue to put our focus on the sectoral legislation. So food supplements, medical devices, and pharma. This is this is a bread and butter, and this is why we exist. Then other things that having are, are are transversal and they they impact our industry. We are active on some of them because they have sort of um, an impact on the entire industry, and there's no one better placed than us to do it. But on some other topics, we actually choose to collaborate. So be it uh, collaborate with European, which is um, a kind of um, it's an association representing jointly packaging industry, uh, where we are working together with other industry like food industry, cosmetic industry, etc., where we work with them uh, on the topics of packaging. 
then we, for example, have a number of task forces on behalf of the entire pharma industry, uh, because as AGP, we cannot do it alone and the same and, and also doesn't make sense to repeat. So we are together with FP and Medicines for Europe working on, on for example, e-product information, which which is the same for the entire industry. We also have forums with Medtech um, colleagues. Uh, we are also part of the food network. So it's clear for me that if you want to address all the challenges of today, and all and be on the top of everything that is impacting the our member companies we have to partnership we have to find and we have to be part of uh, networks and in some cases we will not be leading we will be just there uh, following and making sure that uh, our sector views are taken on board so that's how we work uh, and it's indeed it's uh, it's a tsunami of legislation and i just want to add here that we see now the european legislation but once it's adopted it goes to capitals and it starts all over again because if it's a directive it needs to be transposed into national law and sometimes it's, it's starting the whole discussions all over again and this is where we see that role of our national associations extremely is extremely important because uh, many people still believe they agree things in brussels and then capitals just do and it's not like that so our national associations after this tsunami will, will be also very busy working on implementation of these some some great ideas that Brussels came up with and making them practical and making sure that they translate into um, something which is feasible uh, at, let's say, ground level. I think that's a really good point, actually. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, so there's going to be a whole other uh, episode of this drama, isn't there, later on? Exactly. And it will be an episode on implementing it into national legislation. It will be uh, delegated or implementing acts coming from the Commission where they are going to detail how certain systems are going to work, etc. So I think we just saw a tsunami and then there's going to be a sort of a wave, you know, that follows after tsunami, uh, which will last for years, I believe. Mm. Well, we can look forward to that. As I always say, that gives us plenty to write about. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I think this is I'm just going to make the point that I think to me that I find really useful about the annual meetings is exactly what you said, where there are regulations or issues that are not just consumer healthcare specific, but ASGP play a really important role in drawing out what about that issue or that regulation is consumer healthcare specific. I remember when I first started writing about this um, and I went to a conference, it was actually only about my fourth or fifth week where the, the, it was a regulatory conference, in fact, um, and the MDR was discussed and I, it completely blew my mind. But it was it's, it's picking out exactly where self-care medical devices are impacted and, and also the other way, isn't it, about trying to push the regulators to see how those regulations impact this industry specifically and the things that they need to think about. So I think that's really important, isn't it? I think sustain and like say sustainability, AI, these are things where they're so big, it's very difficult to see what how exactly that's going to impact the consumer healthcare industry. Yeah, and even if we try to understand and translate it, uh it's still sometimes you just have to wait and and, and see what the impact will be. But of course, very often you read the legislation and you see big red flags and especially legislation which is horizontal because obviously those that are writing and for example it impacts consumer health industry but the main goal was uh, chemical industry 
So it's uh, we need also, and for us, the annual meeting is where we can bring those that are making those important decisions and where we also can warn them or provide them a perspective of our industry, making sure that they understand uh, what the text that they're working on means on the ground and what kind of impact they might have, for example, in the yeah, in what you can find in the pharmacies in the next five to 10 years and what people can actually uh, do for themselves when they get ill. So this is um, this is definitely what we see annual meeting as one of the objectives is that. Yes, definitely. And then just one more thing I wanted to ask about are the parallel sessions. You mentioned them. That was new last year, I think, wasn't it? Yes, it and, was um, the first time we did it. Yes. And how, and. Uh, it, it was difficult. I found it difficult because if I'm, it's only one of me. I can't be in two places at the same time. But apart from that, it seemed like a really good way uh, to cover more things and maybe in a bit more of a kind of smaller uh, audience, a bit more time for Q and A, maybe a bit more interactive. Uh, what was the feedback from last year? So first of all, we 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 put it on the program last year because we continuously got feedback from um, participants saying that some sessions were more relevant than others. So we understand that we have a mix of participants. Some of them are being more business function. Some of them are being more regulatory. And it's difficult to construct a session that interests all the 300 participants. So then we decided that maybe we need to provide two tracks and one kind of being more business topics and another one being more regulatory so that everyone uh, finds a session which is more relevant to their function. So that's how it was born. We had an overwhelmingly positive feedback after last year because people did enjoy quite a lot. They also could be more engaged because when you are in the big plenary room, you know, with someone on the stage, being able to communicate through an app it certainly puts a lot of barriers and you are more a recipient rather than a participant. So what we heard about our sort of smaller parallel sessions that people could sort of dive in, they could ask questions. Um, I have also, I missed those because I was attending a board meeting at the time. And But when I left, I mean, and I went for, for a lunch break, many people were coming to me full of ideas and saying, ah, this we should do this and we should do that. So I think you you felt the energy was totally different than actually sitting in a plenary room. So then we decided that it's something maybe which is going to be a permanent feature. And we also this year we broke we broke the program a little bit. So we have morning with the plenary sessions, and then we have afternoons with these more interactive sessions, making sure that we also keep the energy of people um, high, knowing that yes, sitting through a session uh, all day. In the in the dark room, which is often a conference room, it's um, it's not best for your self care. <laughs> it, it it is, and writing about it at the same time is also makes it even more challenging. It's a lot to take in, but it's really good. But that I just I wanted just to say that's true. I think I remember last year the the workshops, the parallel sessions, the workshops did have a different energy, and there was a different energy from the panelists. I thought as well. I remember the one. On sustainability and Joe Muscat gave this very powerful presentation on um, on sustainability from Halion and it yeah it was it was just great it was really uh, involving and um, energetic discussion so what what topics will they cover this year what have you decided to have as your parallel sessions so uh one, I mean, one thing we need to do is that making sure that all our three categories get equal attention. 
<laughs> so we will have a session on medical devices. Obviously, we are implementing this legislation, I think, since 2015, and we just got another extension. So I think this is a second or third extension that we have. So we clearly see that maybe it's not working. Uh, so we will be discussing what's the future of medical devices uh, regulation, knowing that Commission as well and as other stakeholders are reflecting on how it should evolve because uh, it has not been very successful until now. We will also have another session on food supplements. So food supplements legislation is, has been there since, I don't know, 1990-something. And uh, there we also have um, a feeling that it might be uh, prioritized by the, by the next commission because it has been quite a while, a bit like with the pharma before this commission, where not much has changed and happened. Uh, so we also are going to have a discussion also on, on sort of what we feel as an industry where it should, uh, if there should be any changes to this one, including also discussion on maximum levels of vitamins and minerals, which is going on and, and other some, some other topics. We will have a session on switch, so on medicines, uh, because last year we had one. It was, uh, it was very well attended and also really good energy, a lot of good ideas. So we'll have one on that. Um, we might have something very, um, let's say, forward-looking to present. I don't want to, to say what it is because uh, we are racing a little bit against the time. I hope we will deliver it. But if not, we are just going to have a very good discussion on what the future of Switch is. Already said AI. I mean, we need to talk AI because otherwise the conference is not relevant. Uh, packaging, we will be looking not only on challenges on packaging, but we will be looking into uh, industry's collaboration on packaging because we have common challenges on packaging. Companies are all struggling on finding alternatives to the blisters, uh, moving to the recyclable packaging, knowing that you need to do all the stability testing for some of the products and that packaging is an integral part, part of safety of the products. So we will be talking in how we can work together to actually address some of those. Um, we also are going to look into communication topics. So two of them, one is going to be about misinformation. Uh, we will have a sort of a, a very interactive workshop on, on actually how to tackle this uh, topic, knowing that there's more and more misinformation out there. And how do you, how do, you do with that as a company or as a brand? Uh, also social media advertising. So it's another aspect of, um, of communication because still some countries in Europe do not allow social media advertising of our products and consumers today are in social media. I mean, there are some people that do not have TV anymore. They actually watch, uh, you know, YouTube. So it just does not make sense if you allow advertising in the TV, but you, you cannot do advertising, for example, on YouTube channel because this is where your consumers are. So we are going to talk about best practices and, and what we can do there. And finally, a session on lifelong learning of uh, pharmacists on um, how we can better embed self-care skills, because we really see pharmacists as a key uh, partners in making sure that we have um, safe and effective uh, products being used correctly by, the, by people. So this is a session where we are going to discuss and our companies are investing quite a lot in, in, in education and educational and supportive materials to the pharmacist. So we will also be looking into how we can do it better, how we look at also in the, in the curricula of the pharmacist, of young pharmacists, and also looking in what can be done after you leave the pharmacy school and you are there in the busy pharmacy. How can we support better to make sure that actually 
the right information is uh, is given to those that are purchasing our products. Well, it's, it sounds like an absolutely packed agenda as usual. So, I mean, there's absolutely plenty to um, to get your teeth into there. So, and also a teaser, I'd like to just mention. There's something maybe exciting coming. Nothing to watch. <laughs> so just to sum up then, do you want to just quickly explain, um, obviously the dates, we'll put all of the information uh, linked sure. to the ASGP website, but the dates, how people sign up, um, you know, the kind of practical issues. So it's our 60th anniversary, so I hope to count uh, as many people are going to listen to the podcast. I hope all of them sign up. Uh, it's an occasion to celebrate uh, self-care and to celebrate our industry. And as a side effect, also to celebrate AHDP. So I think it's great. I also know that this event is not only about the program, it's about actually coming together, uh, meeting your peers, having those discussions that you might not have time throughout the year or you might not have occasions. I think we all travel less than we did before COVID. Um, also for those members that are engaged in our committees, uh, we have all seen ourselves on the screens. It's really great and it's a different energy when you are together discussing things. So I hope to see everyone there. Uh, we have an exciting two-day program. We will be kicking off on 4th of June. Uh, there's a self-care gala in the stock exchange of uh, Brussels. They just refurbished and opened. I have, and I have been to many events. I have never been in an event there because they opened just last year. So we might be, we might be one of the bigger events, first one. Uh, it's a nice venue, but more than that, it's going to be really an evening to talk about uh, our industry milestones of association, look at the successes and 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 celebrate. Um, fourth, uh, sorry, fifth and sixth of June, we have two-day conference program. Uh, mornings will be busy with the plenary sessions where we will be having thought-provoking uh, speakers. Uh, regulators, but as well some of the thought leaders uh, talking to you about the latest trends uh, affecting our industry and also looking at the, let's say, um, midterm future of what's what's coming our way. And in the afternoons, we have put together um, eight um, sessions that uh, should all, everyone should find uh, one that is interesting interesting for them. Uh, we have did a mix like last year between business topics and regulatory topics. And this is these are the sessions really where we want your active participation. We want ideas and we want to take home uh, messages as well as maybe some homework so that we also uh, inform ourselves and inform our work. So this is this is in short, uh, you can register on our website. Um, I think registrations are open until some point in May. So don't wait until the last minute. Uh, we have a few hotels to offer uh, because um, of the price range and all of that. Don't wait for the last minute as well because uh, Brussels and also we have a Belgian presidency of the European Council. So Brussels is going to be busy uh, in June with a lot of competing events. So don't wait until last minute until you book your accommodation. And I hope to count on many of you uh, in Brussels. We also will bring our stakeholders, so our partners and people that we work with and, and they help us to achieve uh, our mission. And I also hope that uh, you will be there uh, together with us and our stakeholders to celebrate the 60th. It's a kind of, um, I think it's a very uh, round uh, year and a very nice occasion. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. And thank you for coming on the uh, Over the Counter podcast to tell us all about it. 
Always pleasure. We look forward to seeing you in person in Brussels. Same, David. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Over the Counter. Listen out for more episodes every two weeks and check out the further reading section of the article published on hbw.sightline.com for related news and intelligence. And don't forget to follow, share and comment on Sightline podcasts on the platform of your choice. See you next time.